Hello and welcome everyone to episode 20 of Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tam and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host Zach Clark. So Zach, I heard a rumour today but I'm not sure if it's quite true. Can you tell me about this rumour? Look, I, as an industry insider, I have you know, talked to some people who will remain unnamed but we might have a guest on this episode is the rumor that I've I've heard. I don't know if that's the same rumor that you're hearing through the, the virtual grapevine. Well, that is the rumor I heard because joining us today is Dash from Dash Gamer. Oh, actually, where are you from, Dash? <laughs> I am Dash from Dash Gamer. <laughs> Dashgamer.com. Exactly. We have Dash from Dashgamer.com. So, Dash, um, thanks for joining us. You are indeed... A reality. You're not a rumor. It's not a leak. It's a well. It's a leak. It's a true leak, isn't it? <laughs> I've heard many, many nicknames given to me. The elusive dash. Uh, is he actually real? Is he fake? Is he a bot? Is he AI? It's 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 a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the cartridge we have today is we really want to dive in and discuss rumors and leaks in gaming because I think we all saw the last couple of weeks. The well, actually, the last couple of months, probably since the start of the year, this Switch Pro rumor and leak have been have been circulating around gaming circles probably even before this year that it's just one of those things that never really went away and i think we got to the point where everyone was believing in this idea of a switch pro even those who were a bit more jaded and a bit more wary it it took off a life of its own and i think it it really goes to show a interesting facet of our hobby that we get obsessed with these insiders we get obsessed with these sort of rumors we hear and we just we buy in and invest in them i guess you want to start the conversation zach i know we talked about switch pro in the past when did you first jump on the hype train there's two phases i think obviously for a while i'd sort of believe there would be a revision to the switch but that's just logical right that there was going to be a a revised switch because that's what nintendo and most companies do with their consoles they change them up after a few years so that was no shock, but I think for me it was probably around, would have been what, March, April when uh, we were getting reports from Bloomberg and some of the more credible websites and, and journalistic outlets talking about, you know, they've sp- spoken to manufacturers, they know that there's the OLED screen, for example, was sort of basically confirmed, but also they threw in other bits and pieces like the the 4K, which is, we can, you know, touch on how that didn't eventuate. Mm. Those sort of things, oh, I think what really led into it, leading up to maybe a week or two before E3 where quite a few, uh, you know, insiders on Twitter were sort of saying, hey, it's, you know, not only is it happening, but we're probably going to get an announcement fairly soon and <laughs> led to quite a few nights of Nintendo Twitter getting pretty <laughs> hyped and excited for about midnight AEST only to get let down pretty quickly <laughs> almost every night. So, yeah, that was sort of my ride of the of the journey, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, look, if anything... I've been sitting around this rumor for a little while. I, I've, I've expressed my reluctance to believe anything that comes out of Shrye's mouth these days, basically because he's <laughs> kind of he's put himself in a little bit of a, a, a quirk of a situation. Really, I don't, I don't, I don't believe um, there's a lot of inside inside gossip that happens that he kind of gets himself attached to, but uh, it tends to just never come to fruition half the time these days sometimes it does and you know you can give him a pat on the back and go oh good on you you got the you got the scoop but a lot of rumors that come out these days are that 
I believe that he's been kind of swerved a little bit. I believe that he's uh, been told one thing when it's really another. I do believe, though, that there is a Switch Pro. I do believe it's coming. I just think that this is a new base model for the Nintendo Switch, just a, a slight upgrade um, to what we already have, basically. So they're attaching an OLED screen to it. They're basically... It's a complementary piece to what will be uh, the Switch Pro when it eventuates. But I guess with what it is, it's still got the same internals. It's just the externals of it have been cleaned up a little bit. But yeah, that, that's that's where I, I stand right now with uh, the Switch OLED or, you know, a Switch Pro. Yeah, very much does sit within the realm of previous Nintendo iterations that like your... DSIs like your 3DS XLs, or the sc- of course, the screen isn't bigger or slightly less bezel, and as we all know, it has OLED instead of the not the not the regular screen they went with. So mm. it, it's in line with all those in the past, which I think is why a lot of people now, in hindsight, are saying, "Oh, you should have never hyped up too much. This was always the route that Nintendo were going to go down." Which I know you took issue with those comments, Zach. Yeah, well, I think. Personally, I think it's all well and good to have not believed rumors and leaks and that kind of stuff. That's fine. But kind of to the point I was making earlier, I mean, you know, unless you're a real hardcore enthusiast and you know journalists by name, like, you know, obviously, Dash, you brought up Jason Schreier from Mm. Who's That Bloomberg. But a lot of people just see like, you know, Bloomberg, IGN, whoever it is, like a big name, reputable, you know, website sort of reporting on these rumors verifying them from you know and putting their credibility at risk i suppose and and they it's not unreasonable that people believe them and i think getting high and mighty after the fact that you didn't believe them and putting those people down i just think it's a bit it's a bit much like Mm. i think it's not unfair that someone got caught up in the hype and saw you know four or five websites saying yeah this is probably going to be a thing that happens and i just i don't think we need to get so like, oh, told you so kind of thing after the fact when it turns out, yes, this is just a, a screen sort of update and maybe a few other tweaks here and there versus the full package of a Switch Pro that was described prior to, you know, announcement. So, yeah, I think just people need to cool it a bit sometimes. <laughs> I'm in agreement. The thing is, you can listen to sources and, yeah, they'll come from reputable, webs- reputable websites like an IGN or a Bloomberg or a Kotaku. Or... There's a lot of them these days that really do get the inside scoop. Um, even the Game Informers. It's just, it really depends on who you trust now uh, to get these this news from. I mean, like even Jeff Grubb is another source that uh, kind of gets the inside scoop on Xbox. But he's been proven to be a little, he's been on shaky grounds lately with a lot of Elden Ring stuff. And it's like, oh, Elden Ring's coming out here and Elden Ring's coming out here or sorry, being revealed here or revealed here. And that never eventuates either. That could be a case that Bandai Namco are kind of like holding back just to make sure that uh, whatever Grub kind of says doesn't truly eventuate. I don't know if it's purposely spoiling his reputation in that circumstance, but that that's, you know, that's neither here or there. But the point is, is uh, there's a lot of... When the rumor mill starts to spin, uh, especially with Nintendo stuff, it really does kind of get the hype up and expectations are set really high, especially for like a surprise direct. You know, a perfect example of that, of a publisher having to uh, temper expectations was Sony just recently with their recent state of play. They actually had to mention, look... No God of War, no Horizon here, guys. Don't expect that. It, it, it's you know, it, it's strictly going to be Deathloop, 
and a couple of other third-party titles getting uh, some reveals here, but uh, nothing nothing too major. I think that's a really good example because it also shows, uh, I guess, the importance of when you're looking at these leaks and rumors, not only analyzing what people are saying, but what they're not saying as, as well. You know, when someone's saying, oh, there's going to be, you know, a PlayStation, uh, what do they call PlayStation Now's, Now's or state, state of Play, that's it, sorry, I had to think for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a Nintendo Direct coming up. Mm. And they're not saying it's going to be like, you know, specifically X, Y, Z. Um, it, it could turn out in any shape or form. Like, as you said, this everyone thought it's going to be the big Sony E3 equivalent direct for this year. Yeah. But no, it was a much more targeted Deathloop one. We had that last year with a lot of people being like Nintendo Direct coming this Thursday. Be hyped. And it's a partner's mini direct with uh, Bakugan and <laughs> WWE yeah. All-Stars. So yeah, you have to really listen to what people are saying and not assume the best i suppose it sets it into uh perspective as well like the thing is with playstation they tend to kind of want to have um their big news more around uh the end of summer which is around august september over there and also around the time that would usually tend to have psx so that that's kind of why uh, i think people kind of got ahead of themselves a lot of the uh, horizon and god of war news will probably spill to September when PSX is usually around, but with Nintendo, it is a case that lately with their directs, they've had to clarify what direct what what will be on these directs. They have been doing a good job in some circumstances. Like I will say, there have been some sloppy, sloppy uh, you know, judgments made in terms of like you know they had that direct last year where it was like a fifteen minute direct to talk about. Pokemon follow-ups like they could have easily had the announcement within the big Pokemon showcase that they had uh, but they made people get up at like 6 a.m. to show off like this I can't remember exactly what it was but it was a Pokemon I think it was Pokemon Unite the the MOBA yeah. it was like a week yeah, the MOBA. That, yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah and people were pissed so yeah it, that is sloppy work publishers and PR is doing an okay job on the Nintendo side but they really, really should kind of temper expectations when they know, uh, or when they at least feel like, oh, we're, we might have a bit of a letdown on this one. Do you think it's because there's no real consistency with our Nintendo managed game announcements, especially in the last <laughs> five years, I'd argue? Because, well, particularly after the passing of Awata, mm. there's no real rhythm anymore. There's no regular directs anymore. Yeah. They will sometimes announce things around E3. They sometimes don't. They sometimes do things at the very start of the year. They sometimes don't. I think in the past, the Switch OLED might have been in a direct or a presentation or something, whereas what we saw earlier this month was just a YouTube video they put up on their website. And they did the same with Ring Fit a couple of years ago. And Ring Fit is now one of their best-selling Switch games. So there's no consistency. There's no rhythm. It's not like playstation where you can say oh wait for psx wait for sort of tokyo game show time of the year where they make announcements it's just they kind of do it when they feel like it now and i think that's why a lot of particularly nintendo fans they they sort of think oh there's no real december announcements yet they surely there's going to be a nintendo direct now and like Mm -hmm. metroid's going to be there breath of the wild 2 is going to be there so on so forth and when that doesn't happen there's just Everyone's overhyped and the expectations aren't met and everyone's quite disappointed. I think one thing us enthusiasts are good at, and for better or worse, is we notice patterns. And then we, we yeah. see patterns and trends. 
we think they're going to continue. But I, I think a lot of people forget these companies aren't bound to some Bible that they've got locked away in their, you know, in their corporate offices saying we got to have this sort of schedule of doing things or this way of doing things. They just do it because it works. And when it stops working or they get a new marketing or PR manager or someone in, they might shake things up. Uh, and the patterns mm. that we think that are there, or and sometimes they aren't actually really patterns but coincidences, um, mm. they get they break. <laughs> I would say that Nintendo ha- is more along uh, for, like like you said, that they don't really follow uh, a structure in terms of uh, the way that they kind of campaign stuff. I- I'd say that Nintendo are actually a lot stricter in terms of the way that they campaign stuff. They they're de- they definitely, they do toe the line in terms of wanting to kind of break out of the tradition, but they feel like doing so may, I don't know, may disrupt their i don't know their legacy or something but for for me personally when with nintendo i think it's a testament to iwata's legacy of how hard of a worker the bloke really was like you mentioned the fact the uh, consistency of nintendo directs and how many actually were coming out when he was around a lot of the directs and a lot of production side and a lot of news that would be included and everything else was always passed by iwata first and when it was this is like the thing where you can tell that Iwata was really, really trying hard to make directs uh, as interesting and as entertaining as possible. Um, there was a certain foundation, there was a certain blueprint to those uh, directs and their presentation and what they bought and how important and how imperative they were to Nintendo. It really did show that the bloke was kind of on, you know on top of his game um, when he was around, but. Yeah, since his passing and the de-escalation of the amount of directs that has come out, it really has kind of, it really has fizzled a little bit. And it's just, I I think that Nintendo are in not necessarily, they're in a transition period still between Iwata gone. And it's been a while now. I mean, how many, how many years has it been? It just passed six recently. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, 2015 it was. Yeah, there you go. So six years ago. So. In terms of like corporate structuring and everything, that's not that long ago. And they, while a lot of corporate structuring does work fast, there's still, I still believe that with the Switch release and everything else, it really kind of came out a lump sum. And, uh, you know, the failure of the Wii U and then the Switch, they really kind of had to rush, rush, rush. And then losing Reggie as the CEO, it really, really was a, a weird period for Nintendo. But yeah, I mean, look, when it comes to uh, rumors and everything else, I think that they really kind of, they're on the ball, but delivery is a problem because then afterwards when news gets trickled out like this and they don't deliver, you know, gamers get frustrated because they don't have it in their hands already. And it's like, okay, I think you should wait, uh, be a little more patient when we're ready for the, to unveil the product. It'll be in your hands. We take a, a step back back to the, the Switch OLED and the Switch Pro. I'm keen to hear from both of you, I guess, answer to two questions. One, when it was announced, and I think the main missing feature we can agree was the 4K docked, which was uh, rumored. Um, everything mm. else, I think, was largely in line with what was said. Did that sort of take any wind out of your sails? And secondly, did it impact your decisions to purchase? I think I know the answer to the second one, but <laughs> the audience don't, so that's why I'm posing it to you both. Might start with you, Tam, if you want to uh, let us know what your your feelings were when you saw that trailer. 
It was really weird because I woke up one morning, went to work, opened Discord and sort of was scrolling through the old Another Castle one that you're in, Zach, and mm. I saw people talk about, oh, yeah, like Switch OLED's been announced. Like, oh, and everyone was very, I guess, a bit jaded and no one was, everyone's saying, oh, like, typical Nintendo, uh, wh- why why would anyone want these? This isn't going to sell anything. And someone linked the pre-order link and i was like oh cool new switch console i i I had planned to buy one and i've been holding out as you know zach so i clicked into the eb games website i pre-ordered it and then after that i went and back and looked at the trailer so it was a sort of strange experience in that i I just heard that it existed i went to pre-order and then after that fact i was like oh i should actually check the trailer and see what it's about what have i just bought (laughs) exactly what have i bought what have i signed up to but sort of i could i quickly ascertained what it was from everyone's comments and oh it's just an oled screen nothing else has changed and my view was oh that's quite cool let's let's get on to it because i guess personally i i primarily play my switch in handheld mode so a better experience in handheld mode is enough of a seller for myself i know for people that don't use it in handheld mode well it's not really a revision for them which I think is quite an interesting thing when you think about it because the previous Switch model, the Switch Lite, is very much also for handheld players only. So they haven't really updated anything experience-wise for Switch players that primarily play on the television since the Switch first launched. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I actually think that, like, with the Switch Lite, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually about to sell mine, and the reason being is I really haven't used it since the launch period. I did use it quite a bit. Uh, I really love the um, the ergonomics of it. I really kind of like uh, how they designed it to be one tablet instead of um, you know the handheld with the Joy-Cons. I've always been a bit iffy on the Joy-Con side of things as well, and I think that the Switch Lite design was really... They, they nailed it, but because it's strictly a handheld device, I tend to play a lot of my... Uh, Switch games on my TV, and you would say to yourself, well, if you're playing your Switch games on your TV, you really don't need the OLED model. That's true, because it, it like I said, the internals are the same, and so, and, and the dock doesn't do anything different other than a LAN port, but um, there are those rare occasions where I will pick up my Switch and play it in handheld mode, and I will want, you know, the top tier model, and that's why I've, I've basically pre-ordered it, because, like, obviously being a reviewer, I have to kind of know what the best version of a game I'm playing is on like on the best version of the of hardware so like best hardware revision so that is kind of where I'm at with that if I didn't if I wasn't reviewing uh, at the moment I probably would have held off mainly because it, it's the same thing except with the big like uh, less bezel bigger screen OLED and you know I'll, I really like the white joy cons on it it looks nice but yeah it, it, I, I don't know it, for me uh, Switch Switch OLED is really kind of a niche thing once again, kind of similar to the the Switch Lite. Switch Lite is marketed more towards I, I think kids for an entry level Switch, whereas uh, the Switch OLED really is kind of marketed towards more of an adult audience. Uh, that even even people that were abs- like absolutely adored their PS Vita, and you know a lot of people are making those comparisons on the on the Vita and. Uh, the OLED Switch. Now even like they're making comparisons to the OLED Switch and the Steam Deck, which just mm. got announced yesterday as of recording this. And and it's just going to be one of those things now where Nintendo really kind of 
need to know whether they're going to be um, marketing this now as their base model and then saying, okay, this is our base switch now. Um, the old switch is going to get phased out and we'll go with a pro in a year from now. Makes sense. I have to say, I, I, for me, a lot of our, our mutual uh, friends, Brendan will know, have, were very shocked that I am not in day one on one of these. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was looking back at my past sort of purchasing history, uh, at least mm-hmm. since I've you know been an adult and can make my own <laughs> decisions, I suppose. <laughs> and it's actually pretty consistent with with uh, what I've done in the past. I was looking at the 3DS, for example, you know, got the 3DS on launch day, didn't get a 3DS XL until they sort of a few months down after the launch of that. And they had a, a Pikachu version that I'm like, yep, I'll go in on that. But then new 3DS, more horsepower, went in on that day one. And that's sort of where I'm at with the Switch OLED where, you know, I, I didn't jump in on a light because I didn't feel I needed it. Mm. Also didn't get the red box switch, uh, and I'll, I'll hold off on this one until I see like a you know Breath of the Wild two or a Splatoon three sort of bundle with some sort of special colored Joy Cons, uh, in the vein of like the Animal Crossing or the Mario bundles they've done in the last you know couple of years. But I, I was thinking back, did that link back to my any sort of disappointment from the rumors being tell, talking about something that was greater than what this was? Was and to be honest, the answer is no, right? Like. If the rumors were spot on, they always. If the rumors had only ever said OLED screen, no 4K or change in performance when docked, uh, and even maybe mentioned the the Ethernet port in, in the new dock, I would have made the same decision. I just would have made it a few months earlier when the rumors came out, I suppose. Mm. So it's to me, while it was, I wouldn't say disappointing, but it was. It took a bit of the hype out of me thinking I am going to buy a new Switch this year because there is going to be one with potentially new. Uh, internals that would uh if not run different games at least run my existing games like hyrule warriors and stuff that are chugging a bit better Mm-mm. but at the same time that's probably been uh, you know doused a bit by i guess the realization well at least i'm saving a little bit of money this year that i wouldn't have otherwise had a had a better switch actually uh, uh you know materialized um in the way that we thought it would i share that sentiment with you it really kind of it, it, I won't say it aggravated me. It annoyed me more than anything that Nintendo really didn't kind of take the opportunity to even just kind of slightly, slightly upgrade some of the internals on the OLED version of the Switch. And you you make mention of Hyrule Warriors, the recent one, um, how it chugs on the current model of the Switch. And yeah, like experiencing that was, there's a little frustration there, especially for someone, you know, like you, you, we're, we're spoiled as gamers. We get to play like PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X these days. And say, oh man, game runs fantastic, silky smooth, looks excellent. Like, the prime example, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate is uh, like honestly one of my favorites right now because it does everything perfectly. And then I, I switch over to uh, Hobble Warriors on, on my Switch and it chugs the way it does. And I'm just like, oh man, this is, this is really not how Nintendo really want to sell uh, their hardware. This is this is an awful, awful demonstration of what the the Switch is capable of. I I would have honestly preferred if you know Nintendo really did kind of say, okay, we have the opportunity to kind of uh, come out with a new revision of our console. Here is a you know an upgraded CPU, at least that just to kind of flesh it out a little bit, just to kind of help performance. But the fact that they're selling 
the Switch OLED, no, and this dock doesn't output 4K, it still is the same. For me, there is slight disappointment. And I think you touched on where the disappointment comes from, because I think ultimately the rumors of, oh, this dock will output 4K and there'll be slightly more powerful processors in the Switch Pro, well, it's it's within the realm of possibility. It's It's four years since the Switch launched. Mm. All the components in the Switch would be costing a lot less than it first did when they first launched the system. So yeah. from a cost perspective, it would have been easily doable for Nintendo to have a slight revision. There's no reason they couldn't have had a Switch Pro along the lines of a new Nintendo, well, the new Nintendo um, 3D, was it the new Nintendo yeah. 3DS? Well, yeah. yeah, the new yeah, the new 3DS. I have one. I bought one at launch. I should know what it's called. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's a similar period of time between the 3DS launch and the new 3DS release. So there was no reason they couldn't have done something similar. So mm. like, yes, I'm buying a Switch OLED, but I'm definitely in that camp of, oh, would it be nice if it was slightly more powerful? And I think even though I'm buying it, I'm disappointed in the fact that, well, the battery life's even worse on the OLED Switch than on the regular Switch. So mm. it's, in some ways, it's a inferior model. I, in in a way, yeah, I'd say I I still after the OLED is out, buying a sw- a base switch model that we know of now, like uh, the the current models that are out right now, that will be considered an inferior an inferior model. Um, but considerably, the OLED model will be in fact uh, a basically kind of like a replica model with the, an OLED screen attached. There's there's not going to be any potential of difference in terms of performance so yeah that kind of throws a little bit of a, a curveball in in you know people's expectations of what this hardware might entail you know some people might look at it, like the general consumer will look at it and say oh it's an upgraded switch perfect i have uh these games that are just chugging on my old switch i'll trade in my old switch for a new one i guess it'll play different no it won't it's just a screen that's been changed up that's it so yeah there is a little bit of you know there is a misconception of what this switch might entail i was having this discussion with um uh one of um uh the people from bandai namco the other day they were like well nintendo doesn't want to lose they don't want they don't want to be selling switches at a loss like they already had that hardship with the wii u and i agree like if they were to upgrade the components of the Switch OLED, there's potential there for them to be selling each unit at a loss. And like PlayStation 5 right now, uh, each unit is selling at a loss. And Nintendo obviously have have had that hardship. So like PlayStation had that too, but they were able to kind of overcome that, I'd say probably about a year after they released the PS4. So they're kind of in that loss period right now with the PS5 and they'll start seeing um, you know, they'll start seeing a profit made uh, in another maybe eight months or so. But until then, it's money out of their pocket. They're not seeing a return right now, unless, you know, uh, that, sh- that strategy of people buying a console and picking up a, a title with it at the same time, that is profit. But it has to be first party title. Like Nintendo, when they launched the Wii U, if you picked up a deluxe model, and bought uh, a first-party title like New Super Mario Brothers U with it, that were making a profit. It would be the same thing here again, where you'd have to buy the new model, buy a first-party title, make profit. But there's risk versus reward, and 
right now, because people already have games in their possession, there's a chance that they'll, they won't buy a game or with this new model. That is a lot of units sold at a loss. So there's that that comes into play too. So uh, it's, it's, it's really right now, it's a very, very complex situation. Yeah, I mean, and to add on top of it, it's of course the you know worldwide shortages of, of chipsets and other, yeah, exactly other yeah. pieces, which um, yeah, it's hard to predict. Maybe it's very possible. And the thing we haven't really touched on is that back in March, when these rumors started to solidify, that that was the truth. It might have been a the plan, uh, and the plans changed between uh, then and June. Um, personally, yeah. I find it hard to believe they pivoted that far, but you know, yeah, mm. but you can't be sure. Or as you said earlier, way earlier in the show, Dash, it's also possible that uh, false information was leaked to certain people to try and either identify internal leakers uh, within a certain company or alternatively just sort of <laughs> ruin the reputation of uh, other journalists out there who are leaking, or not even just journalists, but just random people online who build up their reputations for that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Maybe it might be a good time quickly pivot away from the Switch, but still keeping on talks of rumors and leaks. I'm keen to talk about rumors and leaks where they are accurate because there's quite a lot that do leak. Certain companies, Ubisoft, Cough Cough, seem to always have their <laughs> games leak one way or the other. But I'm keen to see some what your thoughts are on, on examples where the leaks have come out, they've been accurate, and they've either played in a game's favor in terms of getting people excited and hyped uh, in your mind or alternatively done something negative. Why you guys are thinking, I have got a quick example I just want to bring up, which is the very recently and, and sort of becoming a running gag on this show, Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, where <laughs> probably what, like two or, two or three days or a week out uh, from E3 or whatever you know we're calling the show this year, uh, I think... I think it was Imran Khan was who leaked from Kind of Funny slash former Game Informer leaked it, or at least he was one of the people who verified the leak. Yeah. Um, of this this Dark Souls like Bandai, you know, Namco Team Ninja developed uh, Final Fantasy game set in a in a Final Fantasy one world. I have to give credit to uh, Kyle Bossman and his show delayed input, uh, where he said, you know, I think his words were along the line of this game is not going to look as good as what I'm imagining based on this description. And while the leak word for word is very accurate in terms of the you know style of game they were going for and who was making it and stuff, it just conjured up these images in your head, particularly if you look at that art style of you know art books of Final Fantasy 1 art um, that just did not pan out with the vibe of the uh, actual trailer with the, the chaos and everything like that. And to me, that was definitely an example where the leak, while accurate, did not pan out in the game's favor when it was revealed. Oh, man. The only one that I can really kind of think of other than the Final Fantasy one would would be maybe, and I brought this up a few times now on Operation PlayStation, which is Metal Gear Solid uh, 5, when, oh. yeah, when they were doing Moby Dick Studios where, instead oh. of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole Moby Dick Studios thing, mate. That thing was excellently done. And the thing, the thing is, though, by the end of it, I think even Konami. Uh, the, the problem with Konami was obviously, you know, people hated them, and people still do hate them in a way. But <laughs> it was uh, more or, more or less that they were trying to campaign it as much as possible, get the hype around it, and it really did pay off. It paid off. Uh, but uh, but it paid off in K in Kojima's favor more than Konami's. Obviously, with Kojima leaving. Konami at the time due to, you know, 
that whole scuffle there, but it really kind of helped Kojima solidify his legacy again uh, and push Kojima production, well, like reboot Kojima Productions away from Konami as a subsidiary now as his own company. And also, uh, you know, that that when they tried to do Silent Hills and that that rumor was kind of going rampant at the same time that Norman Reedus was involved with Guillermo del Toro, you know, and then it eventuated there with a teaser trailer and then the PT demo. It, it really kind of, you know, it pushed Death Stranding to become a, a success afterwards. So really in that, I, I'd say that that's probably a great example of how to swerve marketing um where i and, and i'm kind of sitting and i'm gonna die i'm gonna die by the sword on this one i really do think that the whole blue box games thing is still mm. kojima kind of stuffing <laughs> people around i know that like i've had a little bit of <laughs> i've had a, i've had people say oh man straighten up your tinfoil hat dash seriously this is not one of those things for me i i just can't get my mind off that entire situation where i believe that the blue box games kerfuffle right now is kind of put Kojima in the spotlight and he keeps teasing it in a way and I'm just like man there are so many clues that point towards this being Silent Hills again but it, it is a Konami IP I do realize that but Konami have said that they've outsourced it and people are saying oh it's going to Team Blue but I'm just like how do we know that how do we know that's a thing so right now we're sitting in the middle of one of those leaks and we're not entirely sure, but we, even though we had someone, you know, we had the supposed lead uh, director of whatever this game is from Blue Box come out on Twitter and say, no, it's not Kojima, whatever. It, it It's always done at a sus time, at a, you know, uh, such a, you know, a sus way to do it as well. Everything, everything just points towards this being Sullen Hills by Kojima. So, Yeah. Yeah, that that that's one example that kind of is still trending to this day with Kojima. So there you go. Yeah, that's a really really interesting situation to unpack for the people uninitiated to this massive uh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> we're, we're talking about I think Blue Box Games and their upcoming game Abandoned, um, yep. or as it's called at this point. Um, and just yeah, you need to look it up if you haven't. The series of coincidences or or intentional uh, hints between Kojima. Blue Box uh, and others is is beyond. It's just crazy how many there are. Yeah, and to sort of your uh, to even sort of further the, put these people in the spotlight, you see people like Jason Schreier, like Jeff Keighley, just make comments, and they're probably not even in on it completely. Maybe Jeff Keighley is giving him and Kojima are besties, but um, <laughs> like they they just make a tweet and then it just spurs the the whole you know rumor mill again. Like oh, they know something. They know it's actually Silent Hill or or a Kojima game or whatever it is. Mm. And also, my favorite was the uh, when, as you said, the the I don't know if he's the CEO or the head developer, whatever his position is. The yeah, he uh, came out and said, "I am not an actor." It's like uh, that's Hassan Karaman is his yeah, name. Yeah, that, that's his name allegedly. Um, comes out and says, "I'm not an actor." It's like, well, that's just what an actor would say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that does anything. That is actually his name. Like it is actually legit okay. his name. He has developed. Uh, games beforehand but i believe that it's been done on purpose it's been because uh like there is a long list of like uh clues that have been collected by reddit users and put into this long ass clues thread like for example hk hassan karaman is also hideo kojima's initials you know like uh 
He has a number of uh, trophies on his PSN account. I think it was one, two, three, eight, the same for Japanese Silent Hill commercial. Like, there are different things there that just kind of just point towards it being Silent Hills by Kojima, but... And it's hard to kind of, like, it's really done on purpose. Even even Keeley's in on it. Like, he knows. He knows, for sure. Like, he knows. But he's kind of like, oh, I wonder. And it's like, stop it. Stop it, Keeley. You know. Yeah, you know, and show it off at the Game Awards, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's only really two outcomes from this. Mm. Outcome one is that, the, yes, the tinfoil hat brigade are right, and this is just Hideo Kojima having fun once again. I Sans so. the bandages around his face but yeah. <laughs> i guess outcome two is that well it's just coincidence and that they just both parties are playing it for all it's worth which it could be that door as well but i think i agree with you it'd be great if it is once again another hideo kojima oh, special yeah. I, I look I, I know that like i said i know it's a conspiracy theory right now and i know that it's only rumor mills kind of spinning real fast but Man, he did it so well with Metal Gear Solid Five that I, just, I would love to see it happen again. Only this time, kind of, be really a surprise. Um, people really were able to decipher the clues that were put down by Kojima the first time with the whole Moby Dick thing. You know, the logo coming up, the Phantom Pain, and people were actually trying. Like people actually were able to decipher the Metal Gear Solid logo from just reflections of light in the logo. It really kind of put it in perspective that there are really intelligent people out there who know how to decipher this stuff and it's happening again. So I just, I feel like that, that he's trying to fool us, but at the same time trying to clue us in that, hey guys, Silent Hills is happening. It's in development. Don't fret. It's coming. Well, the, the other rumor that's not going away is that, well, there's two Silent Hills games, the Team Bloober one and uh... yeah. another one by a Japanese, yeah. Well, the, the rumor is the other one is published by Sony, which would loop in Kojima, of course. Yeah, would I? I still believe that Sony have made an offer to Konami uh, to acquire the rights of um, Silent Hills. It just hasn't come out yet. People are, you know, I can understand that people are like, oh, Konami owns it. Well, we don't necessarily know that at the moment. We there's no public knowledge of whether Konami currently own the intellectual property of Silent Hills, until that is known, that until that is public, that game sits in limbo, basically. Like, we don't know whether Sony have acquired the rights, because if Sony have acquired the rights, they'll serve it up on, you know, they'll serve it up to Kojima on a silver platter and say, it's all yours, go for it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's also, I mean, <clears throat> you know, possible even if it's not permanent rights, the licensing deal or collaboration, there's, Oh, so even if they outsource it, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, I mean, it's certainly one of the, in my view, the best way rumors can go because it's, it's so much fun to see these conspiracy theories pan out. Um, and I just hope for uh, Hassan's sake that it, it is something uh, that, that lives up to <laughs> yeah. the hype because um, I would be not, uh, I'd be, you know, we, there could be a lot of anger if, if it's not Silent Hill. <laughs> it is a shame that it really kind of, if it is, if I'm wrong, and it's not that, and Blue Box are legit making uh, their own title. It is a shame that it's kind of gotten itself uh, entangled in this uh, debacle, but I really hope that fans are, you know, kind to him, you know, understand that, hey, it was just a rumor that got out of hand. But, like, once again, I still, I just, I sit here and I wear my tinfoil hat tightly, perfectly, 
and I say it's a Kojima game. <laughs> Brendan, what about you? You've got any uh, sort of either rumours current or past that you want to sort of delve into that you thought worked either really well or really badly in a, in a game's favour? I think the one that sticks to mind most recently, and it was, I think we can all consider it a success, was the Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom battle. Oh, right, yeah. That happened just before, was that mm. announced at E3 2017 or 28? Oh, around that time, 2017, 2018. Something like that, yeah. And that was a full-on leak because as, as, you, as you alluded to earlier, Zach, Ubisoft are well known for internal documents leaking and leaking like a sieve really and in that case it was the leak was like an entire internal presentation of the game and there was a slideshow presentation on their marketing strategy and it was it was the whole nine yards and I remember at the time it it came out and it was clearly legit so everyone now knew oh this game's coming out and it's a Ubisoft developed Mario game and there's crossover with rabbits and I remember a lot of people thought oh like why does this exist I hate rabbits. This isn't. This is going to be a train wreck. Like, no one actually wants these. Who asked for this? But there was a fantastic reveal at E three at E three that year. David David Solier, the director of that game at Ubisoft, got a lot of applause and earned a lot of goodwill with um, when he talked about the game. And he was clearly emotional about achieving his dream of working on a Mario game. And then the game released, and it received critical acclaim. Lots of people loved it, and a sequel was announced at E3 this year. So, which I think was also leaked as well. So, yeah, some yeah, things never really change in terms of Ubisoft and that franchise in particular. But I think as a whole, that was one that really worked well. And in actuality, the leak, I think, I would argue, the leak actually helped the game because I think if that had been announced in an E3 presentation, just out of the blue, no one expecting it, I think there would have been a lot of people would be quick to anger. You'd get that general sort of comments of, oh, this is wasting Nintendo's precious E3, like Nintendo Direct time. Like, no one wants this. Like, this is a bad surprise. But everyone was ready for it. Everyone knew it was coming that I think people were more willing to accept it because it was a concept that was so out of the box at the time. I think also it helped because it was such a, it it actually received critical acclaim. So, because people really loved the first one, the second. The second getting a reveal at E3 this year really kind of didn't hinder Nintendo in a way. But yeah, like you mentioned the leak in 2017, that really kind of threw the threw a curveball at what Nintendo were allowing with their intellectual property because obviously it's sacred. You can't touch Mario or Zelda. You know, you can't touch those, those properties uh, unless Miyamoto gives the nod. And that it was unfounded like at that time it was really kind of like hey that's that's something you don't do you don't touch mario or zelda unless you are nintendo but nintendo have shown that they're more than happy to kind of spread their wings a little uh in recent times and uh have developers and publishers such as ubisoft kind of touch you know on their um on their most their most sacred properties so it, it it's 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 interesting to see that these days, uh, but uh, with Mario Ravids, I like I'm not the biggest fan of the XCOM series. So when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool. That'll that'll satiate the you know that'll whet the ap- appetite of those that really love the tactical uh, RPGs and all that." But for me, it was just 
a little more uh, too XCOM-y for me. And so it's a niche market. So what can I say? You know, I definitely agree, Brendan, that it was a good example where having the leak come out first allowed people to sort of take the, the negativity a few months before and then came into it with a pretty low bar. And so the fact that it, it was better than that, um, I think steamrolled its hype train originally. So it's a really good example yeah. of where leaks can be good, which also leads me to my, you know, I put on the tinfoil hat again of do these companies sometimes just leak things through their channels on purpose. And I mean, Ubisoft is, we could talk about them specifically if we want or, or talk about other companies, but I'm thinking of the very recent-ish leaks of, I think it's called Assassin's Creed Universe or something along those lines, the more games as a service sort of idea of, of Assassin's Creed that sort of is, is floated up and has gotten, again, fairly negative feedback, I think, on uh, from a lot of fans. I wonder if that's them trying to re-implement that strategy of leak the the bad stuff first, get people to sort of you know swallow that pill now, and then do a really cool trailer and gameplay reveal next year that makes people go like, oh, actually, maybe maybe I am in on this concept now that I'm sort of seeing it for what it is. I think that there are companies that do implement that strategy on purpose. I I, I I'm in the belief that Activision, uh, one of them. Um, I'm not sure if Ubisoft tend to do it on purpose. I believe that there is a, a leaker within the company that does kind of do it to mm, not 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 to hurt their reputation or compromise anything, but uh, to they, they get it out to. I've got to be careful what I say here because it, it does it does kind of land in press hand, press's hands sometimes uh, early. Like a lot of this stuff does end up in in the in the press in their hands early and sometimes it can just be like whoops i pressed the upload button on this <laughs> so it, it, sometimes there is a mistake that leads to that but i mean like ea and battlefield that is just like it's a yearly thing where ea leak their trailers of battlefield every year and then you know same with call of duty um there have been i wouldn't say it happens every year but there have been cases where Trailers have leaked, and I believe that has been done on purpose uh, to gauge a response from the audience to see whether they are actually hype enough or not. But it, that's the thing too, like leaking stuff is one thing. These days, you don't really have to leak anything because you've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. It, it, using your official channels to see, to, to like just reveal these things now uh, would be better than having someone leak it out there like, you could even just drop, like, Nintendo do it now. Like, they just drop new Mario, new Paper Mario game was just dropped on, when Origami King was just revealed, it was just dropped as a uh, trailer on Twitter. It wasn't even yep. part of a direct or anything. So, those kind of things there, like, if you have a channel and you have a mass following, then leaks these days, they happen. And if they do happen outside official channels, it's questionable. But... Yeah, it really is. It's 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 baffling to know that like these days they do it purposely through external channels just to gauge some sort of hype uh, without officially revealing them. So yeah, I don't know. Brendan, what about you? You got any conspiracy theories for that? Or oh, I definitely think some are targeted. I think Dash very much detailed some of the companies that definitely deal in the realm of tactically placed announcements drops. I'm sure, like in most industries, a lot of video game companies, they'll have 
journalists they go to with particular information when they want to gauge a reaction or just purely to build hype. I think very much so it's a hype building mechanism that they can slowly leak something out and then they hit with the big announcement. They hit it at like an E3 or just on their YouTube channel with a trailer or whatever their strategy is. I definitely think for some companies, they're more likely to use it as a implement, use it as a tactic. Whereas I think going back to Nintendo briefly, I think why a lot of people are so predisposed towards looking for Nintendo leaks and looking for Nintendo rumors is that just as a company, it has a, for better or worse, it has sort of a mythical reputation of, oh, you never get any leaks out of Nintendo. There's Nintendo ninjas that stop all leakers and like yeah. all those stereotypes sort of form into one. And that's why I think for a lot of people when they, if even if it's a tenuous Redditor or like someone tells Jason Trial or whatever the situation is, that if there's any news on Nintendo, people grab a hold onto it and they hope that it's real if it's sort of going towards a direction they want things to go into. And if it's not going in a direction they're happy with, they're sort of, like you you see a reverse reaction you see those twitter storms that people get upset about things that are only rumored that aren't even factual necessarily so there's definitely that rumor culture there that some companies will tap into and other companies sort of just keep a wide berth but even if you keep a wide berth of it you're you're still party to it you're you're not going to avoid it at the end of the day you know i think you've both pretty much said everything you could but i i tend to agree it's probably rare, but there's probably every now and then the occasional example, as you said, where they are doing it on purpose as a strategic move. Um, but yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Why do you guys think that there is that particular subculture in Nintendo fandom of leaks and rumours? That, mm. Like, yes, you get rumours for Sony fans. You see that all the time, like the Hideo Kojima example and Silent Hills and all that. But it does seem to be there's always a focus on Nintendo rumors and there's a big there's a big internet presence and a Twitter presence about it. Why, why do you think that's the case? I think with Nintendo, they're, they're, it's because they are the most established video game gaming company out there. So, you know, everybody loves Nintendo games and they want to get their hands on the latest, you know, Mario, Zelda, Metroid, whatever it may be, you know, Mario, uh, Mario Kart's, I'd, I'd say I consider Mario Kart the most commercially successful Nintendo title uh, ever, basically because it, it reaches out to more, you know, it's a casual conglomerate in itself. It really kind of reaches out to more of a casual audience uh, than anything. When people say Mario Kart, you know, not only do kids, mums, dads, grandparents, they all love it. The entire basis of rumors being leaked from Nintendo really kind of there's a there's a hype train behind it and everybody loves hearing about a new Mario and a new Zelda the potential of that happening i mean if you look at e- go back to e3 and you know they they didn't say a word about Zelda being present and at the end when anuma came on screen everybody's like oh here we go breath of the wild 2 just like the rumor suggested where we're going to get the new and then like they made us wait and wait and we were looking at the time because we were like, this is going getting down to like the wire here. We're only got three minutes left of this presentation. Are we getting Breath of the Wild 2 here? Come on, come on, come on. And when they did, everybody was like, oh, thank God, we got some Breath of the Wild 2 news. But it really kind of, it just really does show that uh, the hype train behind Nintendo and their first party titles, everybody loves them. Like there is 
regardless of like what platform you prefer these days, whether it be Xbox, PlayStation, PC, or Switch, people will always draw back to Nintendo for basically that nostalgia factor. They they hold that. They hold that market because a lot of gamers that you know the average gamer these days is twenty five to forty. So in that in that stance, it really does play you know a lot of nostalgia. It really does kick in. I think that nostalgia point's the important one. Uh, yeah. And I think you couple it with Nintendo have a, like, I think for a rumor to be sort of juicy, it, it needs to be sort of linked back to an existing franchise. I mean, you can leak new IPs and stuff, but I think, you know, if you leak, you know, say something like Days Gone had been leaked before it came out, it wouldn't have been as interesting to people as leaking a new god of war or a new you know uncharted or something from sony right because people aren't attached to just a concept necessarily and with nintendo they've just got probably one of the largest catalogs of ip mm. uh in the industry and they also have a history of reviving stuff every now and then out of the blue right i mean this year we're obviously getting the revival of advanced wars which everyone's very excited about yeah, and if you know, if you look over history, every now and then they just pull something out of nowhere. Like I remember in the Wii days, like Sin and Punishment coming out of nowhere. Things like that are just random and and could happen. Yeah, and I think that's that helps a lot. So when you know you see a a four chan post or a Reddit post or a tweet saying you know F Zero is coming back and it's going to have some of this crazy gimmick, uh, it's so believable mm-hmm. in comparison to say Sony or Microsoft where. Uh, while they have a lot of IP, they also have been, you know, shown that they're willing to let their IP rest or or not use them at all. Like, I mean, there are so yeah. many franchises from PS2, PS1 era that beyond putting them on PlayStation Now or as a PlayStation classic in the PS3 era or whatever, they just don't bring them back. They're happy just to keep making new stuff. Yeah. So I think that helps a lot. I, I think you hit that right too, because uh, a lot of um, what comes out of sony and xbox really do is really more of a concept kind of thing like especially i'll 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 say more playstation than anything because xbox do kind of harp on their own ips as well like forza gears of war and everything and halo and everything else like they they uh, they have their dedicated fan base for those titles um where nintendo have the exact same thing they have dedicated fan base for uh intellectual properties uh, so, you know, you can have a Mario Tennis, you can have a Mario Golf, Mario Kart, or whatever it may be, you know, a uh, Hyrule Warriors, a mainline Legend of Zelda, um, you know, a spin-off Legend of Zelda, like, uh, you know, the, the remake that we got of, um, what was it again? Um, Skyward Sword. Yeah, uh, Skyward Sword, yeah, is a good good one, but oh, it was the, the, the Game Boy one. Uh, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening, thank you. Yeah, so... Uh, there are things like that with Sony and PlayStation. Though you know they have their first-party studios, but they're they they are willing to reinvent them or let them rest. Uh, for example, Uncharted, uh, the mainline Nathan Drake series, got a rest after Uncharted Four, and we had Uncharted Legacy. I can't remember. Jesus Christ, Lost Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy thank you. Yeah. yeah, I just wrote an article this week. Come on. Uh, <laughs> so- <laughs> So, yeah, it's one of those things where um, they're willing to have, uh, you know, IPs essentially rest so that, you know, when they do come back, there is a hope train that just goes in full force behind them for, you know, there's that been that long, long rumor that uh, a San Diego studio, an unnamed San Diego studio right now uh, within Sony are working on Uncharted 5. So... 
if that's the case, I mean, yeah, there, there might be some mixed reception because the property is getting moved from Naughty Dog to this new studio, uh, much like they did with um, Uncharted Golden Abyss from Naughty Dog to Ben Studio. And we all know how Ben Studio's legacy is working out right now. Not so good, but mm. it's just one of those things right now where if it doesn't have an established legacy behind it, it's more or less going to be a reactionary kind of deal. Like when Horizon was first revealed, it was a, oh, that looks really good. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of excited for that game. Whereas Breath of the Wild, when it got revealed, was, man, I cannot wait for Breath of the Wild. And Breath of the Wild 2 is another example. Man, I cannot wait for Breath of the Wild 2. I'm so hyped for that game. Why? Because Zelda is an established IP by Nintendo that's had such a legacy behind it that people are willing to attach themselves to one, nostalgia, two, experience, and three, a selling point. And they know that they're going to buy Zelda because it's Zelda, not for anything else. Maybe because I don't pay as much attention to the the other um, the other companies and their their rumor people, whatever you want to call it, insiders. One thing I always found interesting <laughs> with with Nintendo is there's just these random people that for years, and I don't know whether they go by their real names or anonymous, but they've sort of consistently been in this like leaker slash insider position. You know, one that comes to mind a lot is Emily Rogers, uh, who's sort of been a on again, off again, Nintendo leaker, inconsistently uh, consistent or consistently inconsistent is probably what I'm trying to say. But she gets <laughs> some stuff right and then wrong. But it's just interesting to see these people, which, I, you know, they're not like, you know, again, we talked about, say, Jeff Grubb, Jason Schreier, mm. people who are actually like pretty big journos for, for big outlets uh, yep. and that's their job, right? They're just random internet personalities that somehow – They've just, they know somebody somewhere and those people are willing to talk to them and they just consistently bring it out. And I think that also sort of feeds into the, the culture, at least with Nintendo stuff, uh, rumors, is these sort of enigmatic figures who we don't really know a ton about, but they every now and then they, they just sort of you know, sprinkle a little clue about something that's happening and lo and behold, it sort of turns out to be accurate, at least to the level they describe. That, I think, also helps sort of create for a interesting and fun sort of rumor, uh, again, culture and level of engagement on, you know, it used to be internet forums, but now I guess more uh, Reddit and, and Discord and that kind of stuff. Mm. My all-time favorite is still the Paul Gale Network's Metroid Star Fox Fusion Saga rumor oh, from yeah. about a decade ago now. Well, I mean, that was interesting because I remember not just that, specific example but in general i remember when i was uh writing for go nintendo and like we my advice on rumors was you know you sort of got to be sort of take it or leave it like it was it's a website that tries to post everything or used to try and post everything about nintendo uh mm. and it was so hard to know do i post this rumor or not and every now and then i'd get it wrong where like i post it from like you know some random guy who i thought oh maybe they're credible and then, like, the fans just, like, rip into me in the comments being like, oh, this guy, he's a clear, like, he's always wrong, he's never right, blah, 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 kind of thing. Don't read the comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right, don't read the comments. But it's sort of so hard to sort of pick sometimes who is an actual leaker and who is just someone with uh, an amazing imagination, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, oh, man, I'm going to say maybe, I think, 2006, April Fool's joke that was uh, shared around um the whole twilight princess uh was going to be a futuristic title oh, yeah. and uh oh man that was that was a great great uh april fool's joke but i i kind of sat back and i was like man 
if this was a legit rumor, like you kind of sit back and go, what if? And you go, oh man, if this was a legit rumor, that'd be kind of sick. I, I kind of like that concept because it kind of strips it or strips away what we know of Zelda and kind of reimagines the entire thing. Sure, there'd be a crowd there that would hate it because, well, you know, uh, they're the devout, they're the ones that really don't want things changed uh, necessarily to depict something that's not, it's not usually what they expect from a Zelda title, you know? And this, you know, a perfect example of this would probably be DMC Devil May Cry when uh, Team Ninja developed their own spin on it and tried to reboot the franchise. And it kind of didn't, it didn't sit well with a lot of people. But for me personally, because I'm kind of, I'd say I'm a contrarian in, in a lot of uh, concepts. Like if I see a concept that's been done to death, I'm not against a little bit of a, a change in, in uh, you know, a new story that's tied to it. So in those in those concepts that have spin it completely, yeah, it, it seems cool. But uh, there is those that take a little far, and you know, uh, that's where you kind of go, okay, that's a fake rumor. Uh, I don't believe that. So I can understand, and especially you know, like for me, I was a, a go Nintendo like browser. I, I'd go to that every day. I'd, I'd use it just to kind of see what rumors Nintendo would drop, and especially pre. Wii U and pre Switch, I was always on Go Nintendo every day, just looking up rumors and everything. So for me, it was um, it was always trying to kind of see who was who was delivering the best news, not who was delivering the best rumors, because there's a reputation can really kind of be built off rumors, but then when they start kind of deviating. It can ruin those, you know, that reputation. So you got to be very, very careful. Oh, and I think exactly. And I think to Zach's point, I think that's what very much happened to Emily Rogers in that. Oh yeah, sort yeah. of before the Wii U um, era and like early Wii U era, she was getting a lot of rumors right. She built up a lot of credibility, but now that's all gone. Yeah, yeah. But she's still reporting for Nintendo World Report, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Yeah. I think so, and she also writes for one of those Nintendo... Well, she did write for one of those Nintendo magazines that was sort of like purely subscription only. Nintendo Force. Nintendo Force? Yeah, yeah, she's one of the contributors there, yep. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so she definitely, like... I think she was sort of a journalist to begin with anyway, but I think she def- definitely used the reputation she built to pivot into that area as well, which good on her for doing that. I really do believe that she had an insider. She yeah, for for her to be getting all that stuff right for me, like it's 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 like that guy on TikTok at the moment that's predicting every single COVID uh, number the following day in New South oh, Wales yeah. at the moment. For sure, he's got an insider, and it's just one of those things where she probably did. She took advantage of the situation where she had that insider, and she used it to gain credibility and got herself work. I mean, the, that's sometimes how you have to go about it within this industry. It's 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 really it's cutthroat. It's a cutthroat industry that we that we kind of work in, and um, sometimes there are tactics that aren't necessarily conventional. But when they're right, they're right, and when you have to report it, that's your job. It's really, I mean, the cutthroat bit's also very fascinating because if you look at the other side of the coin, the the I guess core leak from the company, the actual let's say most likely an employee or something. Mm. I mean, I just find it fascinating how there are people out there willing to risk their jobs and their careers yeah. uh, on the line for that kind of stuff, particularly when they're not being named for it, um, which which is weird because yeah. they obviously don't want to be named because they'll get fired, but they don't get yeah. any sort of clout. just fascinates me to see 
there are people. I, I guess it's just that element of like some people, like, they just can't keep a secret. They've got to tell somebody no matter what the secret is. And they Yeah, there's always somebody like that. I mean, the perfect example is the CD Projekt Red cyberpunk debacle and somebody spilling all these leaks to two different reporters, one being uh, Jason Schreier. Of, uh, of of Bloomberg at the time, and the other one being Liana Rupert over at uh, Game Game Former, both having primary contacts, both different, telling two different sides of the the coin here, and uh, you know those stories are clashing essentially. Uh, one saying that you know they're a very abusive company, the other one saying that they're not as abusive, but they do have issues, kind of convincing uh, their board of directors that the game wasn't ready. So it's it's one of those things right now where uh yeah we like even Je- Jeff Grubb he's it's obvious that he's got an insider at Xbox he's able to come out on Twitter and say hey Persona Five there was a contract that got signed uh, between Atlas and Microsoft but you're gonna expect Persona Five within the year on Xbox whether or whether or not that's true who knows because um you know he might have this insider that's feeding him bullshit um but at the same time you know he's also being on the mark with a lot of rumors pertaining to PlayStation and Xbox um, and and some Nintendo uh, rumors that he's dropped here and there. But it, it just really kind of, you, you have to, when you, when you put yourself in that situation, especially uh, within gaming media, you have to trust your source and you have to always check twice, like double check with other people uh, that would be in the know of this thing. Hey, have you heard this? If you haven't, keep it on the wraps because this is what I've heard. I needed a reference. I needed a cross-reference. I need to know whether this is right before I publish it. Or else, yeah, you're ruining, you're kind of tarnishing your own reputation within the industry. And guess what? Once you do that, you're out of work. Mm, yeah, that's it. 100%. That's why it's surprising to me how many people are willing to go in on it. But I suppose yeah. some people are bigger risk takers and that's where they're Oh, yeah, go. definitely. The bigger, the bigger risk takers uh, get a better payoff. That's why. To go back to an earlier discussion point, I still find it quite astounding all those people. Some reputable people are saying, oh, Switch Pro announcement's going to be tomorrow night at oh, yeah. XYZ time. Like, surely surely that was sort of them just... like Yes, it might have been a source they had that told them exact specifics, but yeah. from all these sort of rumours and leaks, they never seem to have that level of specificity to them. So it's, it's odd that they all sort of clambered towards reporting that stuff. Again, it could have just been internal tactics, as, as we sort of said, yeah. where they, they fed one guy in Nintendo or, well, it might not have been Nintendo, right? could have been one of their partners, like a, a PR agency or something. They fed them that. The person turned out to be the leaker and fed the wrong info to the to the, <laughs> to the people that reported it. Yeah. If, if I was going to say, if you recall the, the with the Switch Pro rumors as a recent, a lot of that came from the fact that they were listing... Switch Pro skews in systems uh, within retail, and like we weren't any different here. That 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 was the case here as well. Like Switch Pro was listed in EB Games and JB Hi-Fi's internal system, um, and workers from both companies were kind of leaking that rumor online to uh, you know different websites like Vooks and all that. Like the thing is, there are the problem within the Australian video game, you know, uh, industry right now, uh, you know, reporting uh, news websites and all that. There are a lot of people that work retail um, because they don't work full time, you know, uh, 
it's just you know what it is i guess with within our industry but there are a lot of people that work the retail as their main jobs and they kind of get first glimpse on these things and they're like wow okay switch pro has just been listed within the system i better let so and so know that'll get us a head start on reporting this news and so that happened and when it happened it was real but it was also like false at the same time because switch pro wasn't switch pro it was a switch oled i mean to your point i mean I can speak both personally and more as a now outside of the retail space. But I yeah. mean, one thing that's different to us, to America, and the Switch OLED is a good example, like Switch OLED pre-orders went up, you know, 9am, 10am, basically as soon as shops open the next day in Australia. Whereas America is very interesting where they seem to, for whatever reason, I don't know if there's an agreement, but they don't put pre-orders up till maybe a week or two after the announcement. Because I just saw- Yeah, it's all Twitter, contractual there. Yeah, and this weekend, I think, is when they went up for America. So I think a lot of it is is retailers here. They're just putting things in systems. So it's the day that it finally gets announced, half their job's already done. They just need to tweak a few things on the database and hit go live and they're done. Yep. And I know, you know, I remember when I was working at, at retail, uh, it was before the 3DS launch and I, you know, they put up, you know, a bunch of 3DS SKUs and they put a date on it. And, you know, that was before we knew the release date. Yeah. And that was just made up, you know, it was not the release date for, for the 3DS. It was just a date that some person at head office or support office put in, whether whether they believed it or not. It wasn't that there was any inside knowledge, um, but people yeah. sometimes think there is and then extrapolate that into, as you said, reporting on rumors. When it's just a placeholder because they have to put a date in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and like, I'll, I'll admit it, even like for myself, when I was working um, JB Hi-Fi, I whenever i heard some news or something the first the first person first point of contact was usually vork i'd be like hey look listen this is what's happening and um it just it, it for me it was um it was it kind of it, i don't know for, it wasn't that oh man i need to tell someone for me it was journalist journalist brain kicking in and i'm like man okay so this is news so you know like even hey, Nintendo Switches are going to be on sale, you know, this weekend. I better let Vuk know so he can report that so people will know. And, you know, for me, it was also a turn like, okay, cool. I can let people know early and then they can come into the store and buy them off me. For me, that was half journalism, half, hey, I'm a retailer. I need to make sure that I'm meeting budget here. And more people yeah. that know, more people I'll sell it to. So, yeah, it, there, there was a bit of a, a double side, side to that. But, um, yeah. Uh, that's you know it, it comes into play it does come into play when you're working retail for sure all righty i've got one final question i reckon to, to to close a pin in this room discussion and that is if you guys could do like a, a thanos snap and from tomorrow onwards there's no more rumors no more leaks announcements only happen when the companies intend for them to happen mm. would you do it no my answer would be no because i just <laughs> Yes, they sometimes frustrate me. Yes, they infuriate me in some regards. But for the most part, I just find it amusing. I find the entire subculture around rumors and leaks really entertaining. A lot of the like ones on Reddit that are clearly fake, that people are just pulling things out of their backside that, you know, oh, they're just trying to get a bit of attention here. And this is some of like the most worst creative writing I've ever read. Mm. There was that one at the, was it the start of the year or last year where there was that, 
dominatrix on the on Twitter that was claiming <laughs> that she had all these rumors on Nintendo that she like extorted from like her her subs, like her financial subs that she has, and it was like one of the most bizarre things I've ever read in my life. And it's just <laughs> those things wouldn't exist without rumors. And I think just to cap it off on our early discussion point, I think things like the Hideo Kojima pulling stunts and igniting rumors that way is another positive direction that rumors can go um, through because I think rumors do have a part to play in building hype and gaining attention and I think in many circumstances it is a legitimate marketing tactic so I think yes there can be disappointment yes like people can get they can have wrong expectations and feel sort of let down and disappointed but I think it just comes with the territory and I think that's down to individuals just checking their hype, checking their expectations and taking everything with a grain of salt. But I think it's a fun ride at the end of the day. For me, uh, it, it's it's part of my job these days, so I'd hate to say that it <laughs> go away. But at the same time, it's, I love being surprised. I love uh, seeing games, uh, game trailers drop out of nowhere that are, that's like, oh, sick, I can't wait to play that. But it, it, I believe that they also have a place within our industry. I believe rumors and leaks and everything like that right now have their place to build anticipation. Um, that it's its own campaign hype. I believe uh, in a way, it's a way to and we and discussing it just before, obviously with uh, you know purposely leaked uh, trailers and everything. Um, they accentuate, they they push the envelope for a lot of uh, companies that believe that they won't be able to have a stronghold on uh, the audience or a niche audience or a marketable approach to what they might be trying to sell. So they do push put it out there earlier. But at the same time, with doing that, it, there's a payoff and there's not a payoff. Whether, you know, I think a good example of that would also be Scalebound when there was rumors of uh, this new action-adventure title that was coming out that, looked semi devil may cryish cross uh how to train your dragon deal and people were like wow okay it looked okay but it performed like crap so there was that uh they got people hype around when that trailer kind of when they had that fuzzy camera version of that almost elden ring version of the trailer leak and then they re- they revealed it at e3 then performance-wise, when that was all revealed that it was chugging like crap, people were like, well, we're, we're not going to buy that game. It was a perfect opportunity for them to can it. It has its purpose uh, not only for people to be hype around it, but also for corporate to make, to make judgment whether or not production does continue on these titles. So, yeah, I'd hate to see it go if, if one day, you know, uh, rumors were protected as much as they could be, but... It does have it does have its 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 purpose. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I think I I sort of agree because I these days I probably prefer to find out my my news whether it's through a trailer or whatever the intended debut is because it, it's super exciting to have that surprise. But I can't help but think back to my my teenage years when I was just far had far too much time in my hands and how much joy I got out of going on forums daily and, mm. and discussing those rumors and you know extrapolating like I, I remember one I remember vividly was when like IGN were teasing a game and they just played a monkey sound and that just like went on into like 
speculating on a Donkey Kong game, which eventually oh, yeah. was Donkey Kong Returns, I think it was. Um, Donkey but, Kong Country Returns, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, and that, that was just so much fun to like speculate. What is this Donkey Kong game? What's it going to be? Uh, eventually, you know, I think it leaked that it was retro and then going into that, it was it was so much fun. Um, and I don't yeah. want to deny young people of today who probably do that on Reddit because um, I think that's just part and parcel for getting into that gaming enthusiast space. So I think, you know, long live rumors and, and leaks. Uh, as long as, you know, just remember to take everything with uh, plenty of salt. Don't worry okay. about your blood pressure too much. <laughs> it's probably not <laughs> as bad as getting overhyped. Disembark from that hype train promptly <laughs> well dash thank you for joining us for for what was a, a fun discussion um yeah thank you so much for having me no dramas and if people want to find you and all your work what's has the best way for them to to go about doing it uh you can find me over on dashgamer.com pretty much everything is there you can also find me every second uh wednesday morning on Op- <clears throat> operation playstation our dedicated playstation podcast but we also have a, a slew of other podcasts on, you know, uh, different, uh, like the Xbox show, uh, Dash Gamer podcast. Just look up dashgamer.com on your favorite podcast app. Uh, but we do reviews, videos. Yeah, we do a whole bunch of stuff just all on dashgamer.com. Awesome. I suspect there might be, uh, yeah, so I know you're, you're a big Persona fan, so maybe some, some more Persona fo- uh, coverage when that uh, 25th anniversary stuff starts to hit. So um, Most definitely, my man, most definitely. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. You're very excited. And Brendan, uh, if people want to find, you know, reach out to you and see what rumors you've got your, your ear on the ground and what leaks you're going to bring to, uh, to everyone, where, where would they do that? Well, Zach, they do that at uh, going on Twitter and they would follow at Tamazoid. And I think at the moment it's just all posts about me organizing my collection. So no, no rumors there, but unless the rumor is what am I going to buy next? But I don't think that's a no. very entertaining rumor. <laughs> and I know if people want to talk to you, Zach, they can find you at Egarino on Twitter. Yeah. Or they can also bother you at Blowcart Pod on Twitter, which actually I manage, you don't manage, so they can't <laughs> but, bother you there. But, but they, on Facebook as well at Blowcart Pod, which I need to update a bit more, but I'm, <laughs> I'll jump back on there. If you message us, I'll respond to any messages on there. Um, or email us at blowingcartridge at gmail.com. Look, all I'm going to say is if you go on both Brendan and my Twitter feeds, there is a complicated series of clues to a game that's coming out. And if you email us the game and you get it right, we'll, um, we'll give you a pat on the head. <laughs> so anyway, well, thanks for joining us. And until next time, uh, we'll uh, you know keep your, your cartridges well blown and free of dust. and uh, you know, hype responsibly. <laughs>